Hello, Location Indie listener, and welcome. What we have today for you is a very, very special Location Indie podcast because this is our Paradise Pack Sessions 2016. And what Jason and I did is we sat down, actually, we stood up for the entire live cast, and we did a six and a half hour live streaming broadcast where we brought on 12 of the world's foremost experts on what it's like to travel cheap, live a location-independent lifestyle, build a business, how to create a life of freedom. We chatted with them each for half an hour. We recorded it. We did it live. We got all of the questions that a lot of people were asking us. We answered them during the broadcast. And now what we're doing is making that audio available for you in 30-minute chunks, 30-minute episodes. There will be 12 Paradise Pack session episodes. So you, if you didn't get a chance to listen to them all or you didn't see us during live, guys, you can listen to all the amazing wisdom that was spewed out. We had Jacob telling us about his infamous no game. We had Carla discussing what it was like to be one of the world's first digital nomads, even though she didn't realize it. Matt revealing his awesome OSEM technique. Gabby talking about what it's like to live in Brazil and how she became a YouTube superstar. All types of different things. People touching on all variety of topics. You aren't going to miss, want to miss any of these. And we are doing this to celebrate the paradise Pack. And what the Paradise Pack is, is the world's best bundle of products for traveling, living, and working anywhere in the world. So if you're someone who's listening, and you're like, all right, I want to be location independent. I want to be a digital nomad. I want to be able to work from anywhere, do jobs that I love. I want to have my own freedom. That is what the Paradise Pack is all about. But a quick reminder, the Paradise Pack ends today, if you're listening to this when it comes out live, Monday, June 6, 2016 at 11.59 p.m. Pacific time. After that, you will not be able to get the Paradise Pack again, no matter how much you beg and plead. We are very sorry. We cannot give it to you again. So you'll never be able to get these products again. It's over $2,500 worth of the best resources in the world about how to travel cheap, build a business that can earn money from anywhere, and how to give yourself the three main freedoms, location freedom, time freedom, and financial freedom, which we know you are about because you're listening to this podcast. So we cannot recommend it enough. $2,500 worth of products. We're selling it for $197, over a 90% discount. You can get that by going to the theparadisepack.com. Don't go to paradisepack.com because you'll see ice packs. Go to theparadisepack.com. You can check that all out. And don't forget to go there now. If you're listening right now and you're like, man, I haven't heard about the Paradise Pack before. I remember these guys talking about it, but I haven't picked mine up yet. Don't forget, you have to go there now because if you're interested, we don't want you missing out since this will never be available again. Once this is over, Monday, June 6, 2016 at 11.59 p.m. Pacific time, you won't be able to get the Paradise Pack again. So head there to theparadisepack.com. Check it out. And right now, why don't we jump into this Paradise Pack session interview with one of our amazing people who came on the live cast. Here we go. Which brings us right... We are doing really good on time. Sorry, Brittany, for the the couple minute delay. This was the first time we actually went a little overboard. Um, (laughs) But welcome to the Paradise Pack live marathon. People are also saying... Jason, uh, welcome to the Paradise Pack Marathon. Where are you come? Where are you joining from? Because uh, you kind of went MIA on us. No big deal. Um, so, welcome, Brittany. How are you today? Thank you. I'm good. I'm kind of craving both a Bloody Mary and a nap now. I've had neither this morning, but I'm going to get both right after this. 
I, I would settle for my water bottle just being filled up, actually. But a Bloody Mary would be fantastic <laughs> as well. Um, yeah, and thank you, everyone, in the in the chat. Let's keep that going and uh, just some awesome stuff. And, Brittany, what we've been starting with um, is if you could give people a little bit of a background of where you were before and now how you're able to live the life that you lead, which is traveling, living, and working wherever you want. Um, just give us a brief little synopsis so we can see where you're coming from. Yeah, Um well, I actually live in one place now. I live in Portland, Oregon. Um, I did the backpacker thing for a while, um, but found that I'm a better writer when I'm in one place. So I guess where, where to start. So I went to school for journalism, um, thought I was going to become an arts writer and discovered that I don't like writing about art. If you've ever taken an arts history class and thought about doing that for the rest of your life and picking apart paintings, it just seemed really dull to me. So... Um, I decided to write about travel instead uh, within the context of my master's program. And if you go to art school, they will let you make up projects like that and say, ah, I'm going to do this instead. So I said I was going to go backpacking for three months in Southeast Asia for my thesis. See you guys at the end of it. And they <laughs> say, go for it. So that was my introduction into this nomadic lifestyle and writing about it. And I loved it. Um, Traveled around Southeast Asia for a few months and started my blog and got into the blogging thing. Um, and yeah, then moved back to New York City and tried to transition to writing as a career, which is really hard in New York when you're paying stupid amounts for rent. Um, so um, I did like the blogging at night and on weekends while working three other jobs for a while, like everyone seems to do in New York City, and then decided enough was enough and packed up my car. Spent three months driving across the country and landed in Portland, Oregon, and decided it was really pretty here and I wanted to stay. So uh, it was much cheaper, so I was able to focus on my writing for a period of time while bartending, which is a really great skill to have as a writer. <laughs> and then, yeah, now, now since I arrived here about a year and a half ago, I now write full-time freelance and travel sometimes, but not, not like I used to. So during that transition, as you were kind of saying, like, what, what would you say was the hardest part? Was it, was it trying to make it work in New York City? Was it giving up not the dream of New York City? But what, like, what was the biggest obstacle for you during that, that time period? Oh, man, I think the, the biggest obstacle was time to make enough money to live and to be writing some of the stuff that I wanted to be writing about. I just didn't have enough time to pursue the freelance aspect of it full force. Like I couldn't put my whole heart into it. I was doing social media content for a bunch of startups and um, it's really hard to write all day and then go home and write about the stuff that you really are passionate about. I think everyone has like a limited amount of words in their brain per day. And I would get home and just be like, should I write a blog post? Like I can't, I have to close my computer. So Getting to a point where I could do something else during the day, which actually I think a really great tip for people who want to be writers is to find something that makes you money that has nothing to do with being near a computer um, was really key. So I moved here and started bartending and just like have interactions with people during the day and then be able to um, write in my off time and not be devoting my limited amount of words to stuff that I wasn't really excited about. That, that was key. 
And and do you think that kind of alleviates this, not the stress, but like you said, you have a limited amount of words. Do you think that kind of like having something that has nothing to do with a computer or online or whatever, kind of being out in the real world, does do you feel then more creative when it is time to write? Like, are you are you yearning to write so that when you start, usually it's like, all right, I can do this versus oh, I've been sitting at my computer all day, even if you're not writing, I was doing data entry and now I have to write again type thing. Yeah, for sure. Um, sitting at a computer is not inspiring. It's uh, You can certainly research and find stories that way online, but you find a lot more inspiration if you're out in the world, which is great for bloggers who are out traveling and then they go home and write on their blog. But if you're trying to make a living in one place, um, I think it's a lot more effective to do something that involves some engagement with your community and with people and you know, getting out into the world and seeing sunshine and then trying to write about it. It's cool to recognize that and then take action on it because it's one thing to to recognize it and say it, but then to actually go out and you're like, all right, I'm going to bartend so I can have some bandwidth to do this stuff later. That's a, that's an important action to take, of course, because it's mm-hmm. you're actually following through with, uh, you know, the, the commitment that you're making to yourself and just like that self-knowledge, which is, which is so important, I think. Yeah, um, yeah, definitely. So freelance writing, and you're you're tied in with Travel Blog Success, which is uh, mm-hmm. the largest travel blogging community online. I would say we got Dave Lee here as well, and uh, we're excited to have him in the chat box. And uh, you guys have courses and a, a lot of uh, tutorials and everything in the community. And I want to talk about what is involved with this course that you put into the Paradise Pack because it sounds like you've gone through a lot of the uh, the struggles with that, that accompany this whole freelance writing thing. And I'm sure in this course, you've put, put it together in such a way that, you know, you're going to help people kind of save time and money and like some, some heartache along the way. Not that it doesn't take work, but you're trying to basically help them out, mentor them and, um, give them, I guess, all of the tools that they need. So you want to share a little bit about what's, what's inside that and maybe share a couple of the tips with you, with us. Yeah. So, um, Blogger to Bylines, A Guide to Freelance Writing is the course that we have in the Paradise Pack, and it's really geared towards um, bloggers who want to transition to freelance writing. Um, we find that we found that in our community, we have a huge community of travel bloggers, and people have all different types of goals with their blogs. Um, for me, my goal was to create a portfolio of my writing and to break into freelance writing, and a lot of people will make money directly through their blogs, and that's awesome, but some people will prefer to start writing for other outlets. So Blogger to Violence dives into the nitty gritty of how how to get those first clips. It's it's a difficult transition to make, but it's certainly, um, I did it and lots of people in our group are doing it, which is really exciting. So when you have a blog, it's a really great opportunity to develop your voice and create these clips that you can share with editors because you you have to have some kind of evidence of what you're capable of when you start to pitch stories to outside publications. So um, it's a really exciting transition to be able to make, to jump from writing for yourself to writing for outlets that are seen by so many more people. And we, yeah, our course really covers how, how to come up with those story ideas, how to develop um, the content that you're presenting to editors and then how to pitch editors. That's probably the biggest challenge that people run into is that um, you have to present these ideas in a way that will make the editor open an email when they're getting, I don't know, 200 a day and then read to the bottom of it 
and actually write you back, which is the biggest hurdle you will encounter as a freelance writer. Um, just getting the editor to acknowledge your idea, write you back and let you know if it's a good one or a bad one. And that's do, really what we get into in this course. Do you have kind of like a little quick and dirty tip, not giving it all away, but of, of even just to get editors who are getting hundreds of emails a day to open it? Like, is there something that you're like, all right, here's like a one second, not one second, but one thing I could tell you that at least is like a little hack that might work. Yeah, yeah. Maybe this isn't to get them to open it because I would like to trust that editors are actually opening all. <laughs> There's only so much you can do with a subject line. Um, put pitch in it and, you know, make make the, te- the subject line really direct and to the point and about what you want to tell them about. But um, so far as getting them to actually read through your pitch, treat your pitch like an article. Like the first line of an article has to grab the reader's attention immediately. Don't open your pitch with, hi, I'm Brittany. I've been writing for five years and I've written for all these places. Like they don't care about you at all. All they want to know is the story. So t- treat that opening line like the opening line of an article and make it compelling. Make them have questions right away. You know, shock them right away. Treat it like you would the first line of an article and they will keep reading. I think one of the most valuable things about uh, this course that you've put together is, of course, yes, for the blogger and the writer that wants to transition to um, a, a freelance writing role for major publications, it's it's perfect. But also for maybe the business owner that wants to get featured in, like, say, Entrepreneur Magazine or something like that, like just having your name in some major publication, no matter what you do online legitimizes you, even if it's like a business trade publication or something, you're still getting the skills that you need to do outreach and get your name published, which is ultimately going to grow your business, right? No matter like what industry you're in, even if it's, if you're not going to be a travel writer. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I think this, this course is like slightly geared towards travel writing, but it really fits the bill for any, any type of writer that wants to go from blogging to freelancing and for, you know, the small business owners and the entrepreneurs who want to use this to learn how to do that. Um, you know, every, every single site now has a blog and needs content and people, I know if you're not, you know, if you're not naturally a writer, then you probably don't like writing. So either (laughs) you're, you're learning how to, or you're paying one of us to do it for you, which is a great opportunity for writers right now. (laughs) What are, and we didn't, I was going to say real quick, we didn't even talk about this with Matt from awesome fame. Um, but what Matt, Matt does with his site and he didn't get into it and it goes right through what Brittany was saying is he sometimes with some of his sites, he changes and sometimes he writes, sometimes he doesn't, but he comes up with the articles and he has writers write them. And that's kind of, as you mentioned, Brittany, that's great for both parties. One, if you're not a writer and you're more creative and you're doing videos and stuff like that, you can get your content in written form that people want to read. And two, then as the freelancer, you get to you know work with someone who's also kind of knows what you're doing because they run their own site. So I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. There's kind of this myth that's been percolating for a while that there's like no there's no opportunities for writers anymore. Like the print industry is dying, but like go online and look at any website. There's writing everywhere. And that's making so many opportunities for writers. You don't need to be writing for the New York times and afar and Marie Claire and getting these like $2 word assignments to make a living doing this. There's so many websites that need quality content and good writers. And that's, that's creating a lot more opportunity to do this for a living, which is exciting. 
What are some of the commonalities you've noticed amongst the people that you've mentored through the course that have been able to make the transition from, I'm an online blogger and I have my own thing to, wow, I'm, I'm published somewhere now that's prominent? Um, a commonality would probably just be willing to put it out there because nobody feels good about the first couple pitches that they send. It's such like, I mean, we, we try to break through the mystery in the course and show you really what editors are looking for, but everyone still feels like, Oh, I don't like, who am I to be like emailing the editor of outside magazine? Like they don't know me. And there's, I think writers inherently have a lot of self-conscious feelings around that, but Mm. the people who are just willing to, you know, they trust in their ideas and they go for it and they reach for those publications that may seem a little bit out of reach, but um, just just doing it. I mean, there. I think a lot of people are who want to be freelancing and are using their blog to get there are just like, they keep pumping content in their blog because they're a little too self-conscious to send it elsewhere and just going for it is the first big step. Well, and the best part about the course is giving you that confidence to go for it, right? Like, you know, mm-hmm. when you're going to a pitch or like, all right, you know, when you learn all of the tactics and the things that are involved on the business side, you know, when you send an email, you're sending it to the right person and you're saying the right words mm-hmm. and you're doing the right thing. So you're already like 90% there in terms of like <laughs> yeah, putting yourself yeah. out there. The last 10% is just like writing it up and sending the email, right? <laughs> right. And we've, we've just started doing this really fun thing. And um, we have a Facebook group connected to the course. So when you join the course, you also get access to this group, which is like turned into my favorite place online because it's just a bunch of writers hanging out and <laughs> talking about our issues. And when you work behind a computer, it's really nice to be able to go somewhere where you can talk to people about these things. But um, we started doing a pitch lab where our members can share their pitch with the group and people will offer feedback. And I think people mm. feel a lot more confident and we're getting, a, a, I mean, we're really refining and polishing out these pitches before people send them, which is really, really handy. Oh. You can, I mean, you should always have a second pair of eyes on the stuff that you write because you develop this connection to it and it's it's hard to read it objectively when you're the person behind the words. So having that community that will give you feedback is really valuable. That's, that's amazing. That's invaluable, really. Like, that's just so helpful. And uh, Mm -hmm. what, what else is involved with the group? I mean, it sounds like I'm sure you guys share uh, contacts, um, networking. I mean, that's a huge part of this business, right? Like people want to work with people that they know, or, you know, Mm -hmm. get introduced to. I mean, what, where does like the sort of, I hate the word networking, but kind of like that Networking I'm with aspect. you, Jay. I, I'm with you. I want to know how important it is the whole who you know versus like how good your writing is. Obviously, the writing has to be good, but is is it kind of an industry where like if you know people, they're going to pass your name along to other people? Like, does it snowball if you start to know the right people? Sure. Yeah, it definitely helps. Like in any industry, um, I was just at TEDx in Minnesota and meeting fellow writers and bloggers is always a really valuable thing. But I, I don't think that it should be looked at as a detriment if you don't feel like you have those contacts because there are some really, not sneaky, but <laughs> there are some specific tactics to finding these people. Editors don't make their emails like publicly available very often. And there there's not like a page on I don't know, L.com that says write to this person if you want to write a feature for us. Like they're not, they're not going to make that easy for you because they would get flooded. They are flooded and they would get flooded even more. So there, 
there are definitely ways to find editors' contacts that we go over. But yes, it does. <laughs> it certainly helps to network as well and find your ends that way. Can, can you give us one of your biggest scores as a freelance writer, like something that either you didn't think you'd be able to get and you did, or just something that you're like, or like a, a, a breaking point where you thought, oh man, this is like, this is a dream. This is what I've always wanted to do. Yeah. Um, when I was driving um, across country, I spent three months on the road from New York City. I was going to do a, a full circle around the country to figure out where I wanted to live and write about it along the way. And my idea was like, yeah, as soon as I start doing this, like this is such a cool thing, like everyone's going to want me to write for them. And I was still just writing for my blog, which is fine. But I just like really wanted to break into some cool publications. Um, so I did some guest posting and I wrote for The Culturist. Um, they didn't pay at the time for guest posts, which can be frustrating. But I wrote a post that was really popular for them. And then I actually had an editor from Mashable.com email me because of that post and say that they were launching this long form um, this long form vertical for Mashable and they wanted some new voices and like, did I have any cool stories to write about for my trip? I was like, Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> ding, and, ding, ding. <laughs> We've got yeah, a winner. Yeah. So they've since stopped doing long form content, but I got to write a really cool story about this program called write a house in Detroit where they were, um, they gave a house to a writer just to have them move to Detroit and kind of bolster the literary scene there. Um, so that was that was a really fun assignment. It was well paid, and it was my first ones that I did outside of my blog. That, that that's awesome. I've got another question, Jay. Unless you want to hop no, in go here, ahead. Um, my my question revolves around that long form verse, uh, you know, like listicle verse. You know, like buzzy. Yeah, if someone's like looking to break into freelance writing and, you know, they, they obviously want to write about what they're passionate about and stuff. But if they're looking to get their first couple of assignments and this was a question someone asked, you know, like, can you kind of give me a, um, a good idea of how to start? And, and my question, I guess, is if you're looking to break in, is there like in your pitches, should you be pitching long form in-depth articles? Should you be pitching like here are the 15 best spots for digital nomads? Like what kind mm -hmm. of what have you seen work well? Yeah, so you can absolutely dive into the feature writing. That that was my first piece was like a 3,000 word feature article on this nonprofit in Detroit. But the best way to get in with the bigger publications that you want to write for is to open up a magazine and look at the front of the book. And there's always some shorter sections in the front. Um, so those are those are the easiest to write for because it's not a big they they don't have to trust you to turn around this huge assignment if they don't know your work that well so they're more likely to give it to a freelancer that they're not familiar with so if you can find those sections in the front of a magazine and then check out who the writer is and look to the masthead and if that person isn't listed in the masthead that means that they're not a staff writer so they're a freelancer so find the shorter pieces written by a freelancer in the front of the magazines and then write a pitch that's like perfectly designed for that section. It's the right word count. It's the right kind of topic. It's the right voice. Tailor, tailor your pitch for those front of house freelance written uh, pieces. And that's that's the easiest way to get in. Holy crap. That's <laughs> wow. a good one. <laughs> yeah, I damn. Right That's in there. That's how you do it, folks. I would never, I mean, yeah, I wouldn't have known that. I would have had no idea. That's an awesome answer, Brittany. And so for anyone, uh, yeah, looking, that, that's really cool. I've heard once too that um, 
I, I forget what it was. This was more for like, hey, to get reporters to write about you. But I'm wondering if this works is also kind of getting in with people who have freelance gigs and, and maybe they all help point you in the right direction is, you know, a lot of times writers and, and reporters and stuff like that for newspapers, magazines, they might be very accomplished, but they don't have like a lot of Twitter followers or something like that. Have you ever had any success reaching out on social media to the actual reporter, writer, and then er getting a rapport there and maybe having them then help you get a thing or show you where to go or anything like that? Um, yeah, I definitely reach out to fellow writers on Twitter, not necessarily for assignments, but I, I just yesterday tweeted to an editor over at um, fusion.net and asked her if she was the right person to pitch to. And she wrote back and said, yeah, here's my email. Um, Twitter is great. I don't, I don't know about um, getting in touch with reporters. I think that's, that's more geared towards if you want your business to be featured in something, right. which writers are always looking for something to write about. So I mean, tweet at me if you want me to write about your business. <laughs> well, and, that, and that's, the, that's the flip side, right? It's like some of the people who think, oh, you know, I don't, I don't actually want to freelance write, but I want to get my stuff written about or I want to get some publicity. And that's a really great point is that reporters always want ideas. Like they might not say yes right away. We'll go back to playing the no game that Jacob talked about, but Mm -hmm. There, you know, there, and as a podcaster, I always know people, I always like when people write me and say, I've got this idea, I've got this idea, I've got this guest, because it might not fit, but it at least spurs it on. And sometimes it's a perfect fit. Yeah, right. Like, please don't spam me with press releases, but if you have a cool story that you think should be written about, I'm all ears. Brittany, what are some of the, uh, the best parts about freelance writing? Because not just personally, but also you're around so many people doing it and you're actually following them on their journey, mentoring them through the community and seeing them go from, you know, blogging to like getting these cool assignments and everything. You want to share a couple, maybe a personal story and like a story from the community that uh, really stands out. Um, yeah. Let me try to think of a, just like lifestyle. Story. The first thing that, yeah, the first thing that comes to mind as a writer, I think the most exciting part for me is like having an excuse to like dive into random topics that you're, you happen to be curious about. <laughs> um, trying to think of one in particular, but I mean, when you're a writer, you can just like, people might be getting into this for travel writing, but travel writing will lead you to the realization that like, there are so many topics to write about and so many things fall under travel. Like I've discovered so many cool small businesses and not, uh, nonprofits that are doing fun things since moving to Portland. And that's been really fun to write about. Um, I don't know. This one's kind of like I, <laughs> when I first moved to Portland, I discovered that there was like a polyamory is a really big thing in Portland, which I did not know. <laughs> and I moved to Portland and like everybody Go was figure. talking about the fact yeah, let's really go on a tangent. So if you like join online dating sites, you quickly discover that like 50% of Portland is polyamorous apparently, which was like something that I knew nothing about. It has nothing to do with travel writing, but I was like, well, this is interesting. Like this could be a topic. And I went to a couple of polyamorous meetups and like heard people talk about their lifestyles and then wrote like three different articles for the Daily Dot and Mashable and a couple others about like this scene of polyamory that was exploding in Portland. So it, you can take so many interesting tangents just to like learn about quirky corners of life and society and culture that are really fun. And you can just say, oh, yeah, I'm writing about it. 
That's so cool. And like, also I'm sure getting to share those with everybody in the community is, is pretty fun. Cause you get to hear everybody else's quirky stories yeah. as well. You know, yeah. I think, it, I think like having those, those radars out there as a writer, it makes your travel so much more in depth. Like when you're constantly have your ears open for those weird random stories, when you're walking around a place and you know, it, it forces you to talk to people. It forces you to go to places that you might not have considered to get lost in a new place, like to have the mindset of a writer when you're traveling or when you're moving to a new city or living in a new place, like it, it really deepens your knowledge of, of that which is exciting. Well, we're absolutely beyond thrilled to have you and Dave and travel block success uh, and this course into the paradise pack this year. Um, you were in last year and uh, you know, with another course and then just all of your stuff. So top quality, so top notch and super helpful, super actionable. And um, as you can see, uh, you could, if you're following in the chat box, you can see these replies Dave's putting out there. I mean, super helpful, so professional, so awesome. Just, so encouraging. Um, I can't say enough good things about travel blog success, the community and, uh, and the stuff that you guys put out there. So I really appreciate, uh, your generosity here. Thanks so much. Yeah. It's an awesome community to be a part of. Yeah. I would highly suggest as we were talking about in the paradise pack is Brittany's course about bloggers to bylines, you know, freelance writing guide. And if you are interested in that, you'll get that inside the Paris pack. But definitely check out Travel Blog Success as well. For an, if, you, if travel writing is your thing, if you're like, hey, what Brittany's doing, what Dave has done, like this is what I want to do. There's no bigger or better community on the uh, on the interwebs for for travel writing. So check that out as well, um, Travel Blog Success. And we. Uh, like Jason said, really appreciate you guys coming on or not. Well, Thanks, you coming yeah. on Brittany and Dave <laughs> hanging out in the chat. So we're like, it's double team here. It's awesome. Awesome. Yeah. And just um, one last note about travel writing. The blogger to violins course is more geared towards those that want to freelance, but we're actually launching a course on Monday about travel writing and how to write about travel specifically. And that's going to be part of our TBS membership. So now if you join the TBS main membership, you get access to the travel writing course as well, which is a awesome. huge value add. Awesome. Cool. Thank you so much, Brittany. Yeah, thank you. Nice to finally meet you, Brittany. Hope to cross yeah, paths nice soon. Thank you, guys. Cheers. Bye. If you loved that Paradise Pack session, don't forget we've got 11 other ones for you. So however you're listening to this podcast, whether that be on iTunes, whether that be on Stitcher, whether that be on Jabbercast, whether you're listening to it from our website, you can also get the 11 other Paradise Pack sessions from 2016 at that same location. So check those out. Lots of cool information being passed around by some of the world's foremost experts. Also, do not forget that the Paradise Pack itself ends today, Monday, June 6, 2016 at 11. 59 p.m. Pacific time. So if you want the world's best resource, the best bundle out there, we have done every single thing we could to pack it full of value, over $2,500 worth of resources for only $197. It's over 90% off. Don't forget to head to theparadisepack.com because it ends today, Monday, June 6, 2016 at 11.59 p.m. Pacific time. So head on over theparadisepack.com. Do it now if you want to grab the Paradise Pack so you don't forget. Um, we cannot give it to anyone after the clock strikes zero on our countdown timer. So head on over to theparadisepack.com. Check it out. And thank you for joining us today with the Paradise Pack sessions. Don't forget to check out the other ones 
Thanks for joining us today, and we'll see you later.